you for listening to another inspiring message from the Movement Church. To find out more about the Movement Church, you can check out our website at theocmovement.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The OC Movement. Good morning, Movement Church. Come on, I'm telling you, that song, it just like wakes you up in the morning. Were you bobbing your head to it or no? If you weren't, you might not be alive right now, and we just want to make sure you're alive. Can we just, I almost want to play, no, we're not going to play it again. Let's just jump into today. Hey, my name is Kerry Robinson, and I and my wife are pastors here at the Movement Church. If you're with us for the first time, we want to say thanks for hanging out with us, and welcome. Perhaps you're searching for a new church home. Can I just tell you the search is over? You probably found one of the greatest churches you can be a part of, and man, we're so glad that you're with us today. You have made it to an amazing Sunday. We are teaching a series called Next Steps, where we're really just discovering what our next step is in regards to faith. But I want to tell you about a couple of exciting things that are happening before I dive in today. Can, can y'all do me a favor, and I want you to do this like you mean it. Can y'all give a round of applause to our worship team who knocked it out of the park? Did so good today. Just an amazing group of men and women, and, and if, if you enjoy worship and what God does in your life in that time, you you got to come out tonight to our movement night, starting tonight. Once a month, we do what's called a movement night, and we're just going to do worship, and I'm going to do some teaching, and we take communion there, and man, I, I'm going to tell you, it's going to be one of the best services you can come to. It'll be an hour long. We've got child care and some snacks for your kids. It's at 5.30. Uh, after this, it's going to be at 5, so you can still go get dinner afterwards, but I'm telling you right now. It's going to be a game changer for you, so don't miss it. Don't miss it. It'll be after all playoff games, so you're okay. Don't worry about it. I'll be done before playoff games. You're, most of your teams aren't even in, so it's okay. This is a winner, winner, chicken dinner. And, uh, but don't, don't miss that thing. And then, you know, one of the things that you, you, may or may not, you may or may not know is that our church is just a little over four years old. So we started from nothing. Like we just, God gave my wife and I a dream and we just started rallying people and a team came around us and you are a part of just uh, something that God birthed inside of us and we just followed in faith to see what he would do. And what's exciting about that is Megan and I made it a commitment. My wife's name is Megan, by the way. We made a commitment that we were going to help other men and women who have that same dream to start a church. And right now, just a couple miles down the road in San Juan Capistrano, some good friends of ours, Mike and Tammy Fanning, are starting their church service. It's actually an hour and 15 minutes into it, and I want to pray for them right now. So I know you don't know them, but that's okay. I'm going to pray. Would you just join your faith with me, and then we'll kind of get going. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? God, we thank you for the courage and the faith in Mike and Tammy Fanning. God, we thank you that you birthed a dream inside of them, and we pray right now that today's launch would be the greatest and blow their minds, exceed their expectation. But God, we know that this is just the starting line and you have great things for them. So God, we pray that you would open wide the floodgates, that God, you would do miraculous things in and through their church. God, we thank you that it's not just about one church, but about your church making a difference in this region. So God, we thank you for what you're doing in their life. We pray today you do miracles. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for praying with me. Listen, guys, we, we know that it's going to take a lot of churches to make a difference in this county, and there's a lot of great churches around here. So, man, we're excited to be a partnering with them and just to see what God's going to do. Listen, we're going to jump into today, but I, I want to tell you about two things. 
Uh, number one, if you're following with us on our 21-day challenge, man, I hope you keep it up. If you haven't yet, you can jump in. We're taking 21 days to really focus our attention on what God wants to do with three things. Reading the Word daily, praying daily, and fasting, which just means setting something aside that's normal in my life and focusing my attention on what God wants to do. And you can join us in that journey simply by texting the word CHALLENGE to the number that's on the screen. And what we'll do is we'll be posting social media every day. We'll show you some ways to just simply read the Bible and pull some truths for it. Listen, I believe, look me in the eyes for just a moment. I believe God wants to do something absolutely amazing in your life this year, but it's going to require some action from us. So this is the best way to start off this year, so jump in that journey with us. Is that cool with you guys? Awesome. We're going to dive into part two of our series called Next Steps. And what we're doing is we're pulling from one passage of Scripture, Exodus chapter 6, and we're seeing God's promises for all mankind. Now, if you're here and you're not sure what you believe, you have permission to belong before you believe. But these are God's promises for you. Now, in the Jewish culture, they celebrate these four promises around Passover. In fact, they have four cups of wine that they drink in celebration of these promises. In the Christian faith, it would be celebrated at Easter. And these are the four promises that God has made to us in our spiritual journey. Look at me, regardless of where you're at in your spiritual journey, you're on a journey because you have a spirit inside of you. That's why there's always often times of questions of God, what is or what, why do I feel unfulfilled or why is it that there seems to be a void in my life? And that's because you have a spirit and God wants to do something miraculous in you. So he gave us these four promises that are for everybody. And here's the thing, my challenge to you, my prayer, this whole series is really that we wouldn't just take one step or just one promise, but we would experience the fullness of all four promises. So I'm going to pray, and we're going to dive into this today. But here's what I'd ask. You're here now. We've got just about 35, 40 minutes, maybe, depending on how long or slow I preach. And if you laugh harder and say amen, I preach faster. But would you just take a, just be open to what God could do? Like, what, what have you got to lose? You're here. Whether you came on your own accord or your wife dragged you or you didn't want to be, regardless, we're here. So let's give 30 minutes. Say, God, you do what you want to do. Can we do that today? Let's pray. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? God, today, we open our hearts to you. We open our minds to you. And God, the truth is, we're here. And we just are expecting you to speak to us in a way that you never have before. God, we know you have promises for us. But sometimes it's hard to understand it, and, and truthfully, sometimes it's hard to walk it out. So today, God, I pray that you'd give us the courage to be open to the changes that you want to make in our lives. So we give you honor, and we thank you that you're here. In Jesus' name I pray, and everybody said, amen. Let's talk about these promises, the four I wills. In the Jewish culture, the four I wills is what they call them, or four promises. And then what we as a church has taken everything that we do, every heartbeat, every aspect of our ministry and our hope is to help people accomplish these four promises. And no matter where you're at in your faith journey, everybody has a next step 
to take. Everyone has some component of these promises that you can actually experience, whether you are brand new to church, not really sure what you believe, or maybe you've been following Jesus for 15, 20, 30 years. All of us have a next step. So let's read this. It's found in Exodus chapter 6. These are God's promises for us, and he was writing this to the children of Israel who were in slavery in Egypt for 400 years. So look at what he says, Exodus chapter 6, it says this, here's the first one. Therefore say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and this is the first promise, I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. And that just means that God wants to save us from our current condition. So many times people believe I've got to get cleaned up before I get to God, but that's not the way that it works. Actually, God just wants us to come to him first and he'll work on the rest. Listen, it was written to people who were physically in slavery, but some of us in this room still deal with slavery today. Slavery to habits, slavery to addictions, slavery to a way of life that seems to be that thing that just won't let go of who I am. And God is saying, hey, step one, my first promise is I just want to know you. Not, not a religion, not tradition. This isn't about whether you were raised in church or whether or not you're a church membership. God's just saying, hey, I want salvation for you. I want to pull you out of slavery in Egypt. And the next promise is this. He says, I want to bring you out. And then he says, I will free you, which is kind of confusing if you pause long enough. First he says he'll bring us out, and then he says he'll free us. It sounds like he's saying, I'll free you and I'll free you, but these are two different things. The first step, the first promise is God saying, I'm going to save you from your current condition. I'm going to pull you out of slavery in Egypt. But now that you're out, promise number two, you still got some Egypt on the inside. You still got some slavery on the inside. So I pulled you out, but now I've got to get Egypt out of you. I got to get this out of you. No longer a slave, but we're still acting like one that's the second promise today we're going to unpack that let me just tell you it's going to be challenging step two that second promise seems to be the most difficult promise for people who are christ followers to walk through and i'm going to unpack that today this third promise is this i will redeem you with an outstretched arm and mighty acts of judgment we're going to unpack that next week so he says I want to bring you out i will free you and i will redeem you and the word redeem means to put you back to your original intent. It'd be like going to a junkyard and finding an old beat up charger and pulling it out of the junkyard and restoring it back to its original design and then singing the Dukes of Hazard song because you need to. We're just some good old boys, never meaning no harm. Anyone? Y'all are too young. Beat all you never saw, been in trouble with the law since the day they was. You're welcome. I'm not on the worship team. Let's move on. I will redeem you. I'll put you back into your original intent, which means no matter your past, no matter your story, I'm going to rescue and then restore you. We call that step discover purpose. That's God's promises. And then look at this final promise. It says this, then I will take you as my own people. Every promise before this was a promise to you as an individual. Look, I will pull you out. I will redeem you, right? But then this promise says, I will make you or take you as my own people. He's saying, you're a part of a family. You're a part of a bigger group. But not just to be part of a family in the Jewish culture. This cup was called the cup of fulfillment. Which means that God 
wants us to make a difference within a group of people. And look at what the passage of Scripture says. It says, I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. Then, look at that, then you will know that I am the Lord your God. It's almost as if he's saying, hey, I've got these four promises, but until you experience the fullness of all four promises, you won't know the fullness that I have for you and my fear, my concern, my worry, and now my prerogative and mandate is to help people continue to take one more step to experience the fullness of God's promise for them. So here's how we say this. This is four things that God wants for you. He wants you to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. Last week we talked about knowing God. That salvation was the beginning of the process. It's not about getting cleaned up, but it's about just saying yes to Jesus. And I gotta just tell you, and when I say this, I expect for those that call this place home to cheer like your life depends on it. Last week, 17 people said yes to Jesus. Come on, that's worth a hand clap right there. 17 people said, yes, I want to know God. These are the four things that we want for you. And these are the four things that God wants for all of us. I want to unpack that second step, that second promise to find freedom. And it's a challenging part. Why? Because God made salvation easy. And a lot of Christians have a hard time with that. They have a hard time. They feel like it's watering things down. It's making it too easy. But no, no, God made salvation easy. He chose to do that, and he did it on purpose so that none of us can take credit for it. In Ephesians, he unpacks this perfectly. Look at this. In Ephesians, it says this. God saved you by what? His grace. When you what? It doesn't say when you became a member of a church. It doesn't say because your grandmother and your mother brought you to church. It doesn't say that you're saved by your good works or good deeds or positive vibes. I don't know how you give out good vibes, but that's it right there. Like all you can in good vibes. Yeah, any Street Fighter fans? Up? None of you. Okay. Man, I can't find the generation. No Dukes of Hazards, no Street Fighter. I'm lost here. By his grace, when you believed. It's easy. It is that easy. We just have to believe. Look at the next passage. It says this, and you can't take credit for this. Why? Because it's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things that we have done so that none of us can boast about it. It's a gift. It's a gift. Knowing God is the easy part. But let's just be honest. It doesn't feel like that sometimes, right? Now, I know we're in church and we put on our good face and we act perfect like everything is great and your world is awesome, but can we just be honest for a moment? Has anyone ever read the Bible and been confused? Thank you for those of you that are not lying. The rest of you probably haven't read it, and that's okay, we're judging you. It's so confusing because sometimes it seems like it's a list of things I'm supposed to do or not supposed to do, and depending on how you were raised, if it was like me, that was all it was about. Do this, don't do this. If you do that, you're going to hell. If you do this, you're going to the hottest part of hell. And so all of my life became about exterior, external actions, but there was no change on the inside. Are you tracking with me? But yet the Bible says there are things and ways in which we are supposed to live, but God never wanted the two of them to mix. Salvation is easy. Salvation is a gift. Salvation is free. 
But then we read a passage of scripture from a guy named Paul in the book of Philippians, chapter 2, that says this. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. And that can be confusing. But note, he's not saying work hard to earn salvation. Knowing God happens. It's there. It's a moment. But he's saying work hard to show the results of your salvation. The next passage says this. Obeying God with deep reverence and fear. And check this out. For God is working in you. So salvation happens. You pray a prayer. You make a declaration in your heart of faith to say, God, I desperately need you. And that is a moment. It is an instant. And that's called salvation. That's step one, to know God. But the Bible continues and says God's still doing a work in you. There's a second promise, the next step to find freedom. And you know what that's called? Change change and this is where most christians stop i'll say yes to jesus but don't ask me to let go of the egypt on the inside now god didn't leave us there he said i've got things for you i'm going to help you check this out he says i'm going to give you the desire in other words i'm going to begin to change what it is that you want to do i'm going to start to shift that Before you knew me, you were doing your own thing. You had one desire, but when you turned from that and said, I want to know you, God, when you say that, I'm going to start working on your desires. And then not only that, here's the best part. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit who's going to give you power and insight and wisdom to know how to make the right choices in life. But you are still going to have to put in some work. You've been holding on to Egypt for so long, it isn't going to just disappear. Let me just tell you why. I'm explaining this and kind of unpack this for the next five minutes of why it is that someone can say yes to God and then still struggle with the same issues. Look, if you have not experienced that in your own life, you're probably living in denial. And you've probably met someone who belonged to a faith like Christianity and said, I love God, but still struggled with the past. Because we are, as human beings, a triune being. We are made up of three parts. And you don't have to believe this, but it's true. Number one is your body, the physical. That's the part number one, our body. It's this physical. You can see this. It's, if you don't believe this part, we are praying for you. You can see me. I can see you. And the body, listen, our body has issues. Our, we have wants and desires And cravings that are not good for us. Can I get an amen? Anybody else love some carbs and cheese? God's gift to us. We're doing a 21-day challenge, no carbs, no cheese, and I just want to get some bread up in this body. Can I get an amen from somebody? Garlic cheese bread. Just smear it with just cheese and bread and garlic and just pour some oil and butter on it. My body wants that food, right? It wants that food, but you know it's not just food that can become a challenge. Our bodies also have desires like lust and addictions. And a person who lives or lets the body lead lives a very reckless life. The second part of our body is our soul. This is our mind, our will, and our emotions. These are feelings. These are feelings. All of us have this. Some of your ladies are thinking, my husband doesn't have any emotions. Yes, he does. They're just, just hidden. He cried at the notebook, I promise. I promise. If he didn't, we will pray for him. He may not have feelings. The emotions. 
the emotions. And this is just as challenging because a person who lets emotion lead lives a very reckless life. Have you ever sent a text out of anger and the moment you hit send, you're like, You ever been in an argument with your spouse and blah, 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 blah. Oh, crap, I just said that. Like I just said crap two times in one. This is not good. Pull it back in. Pull it back in. Y'all tracking with me today? I apologize. I was led by the emotions. (laughs) The body, the soul, and then the third part is our spirit. Now listen, this is the part of us that makes us, or that is like God. Now I didn't say you are a God, young man, settle down. But like God, let me explain that. The the Bible says in Genesis that we were created in his image. God is a spirit and we have a spirit in us. That is why sometimes when you come to church, whether you're singing the songs or not, there's a moment that you just feel a connection because that's not just your emotion, that's your spirit man, if you will, connecting to what God wants to do. You ever been sitting in a sermon or a, a church service and it just felt like everybody disappeared and the preacher was just preaching just to you and like, how did he know that about my life? Well, he didn't know that or she didn't know that. That's just God doing something unique in you. So we are body, we are soul, and we are spirit. Now here's the great part. When we make the decision to know God, y'all track when we make the decision to know God, Our spirit man becomes perfect in an instant. Why? Because God doesn't just forgive sins. The scripture says that he cleanses us of all sin. In other words, he makes it as though it never happened. That's step one. The problem is we still have a body and a soul that need help. Are y'all tracking with me this morning? And here's my hope, my prayer. My hope and prayer is over the course of this series And while you're with us at the Movement Church, that as you take your next step, your spirit man becomes stronger than your body and your soul. You see, when the body leads, it doesn't care how the soul feels. It'll just sleep with whoever he wants. When the soul leads, it doesn't care what the body wants. I feel depressed, so therefore I will kill myself. Now those are extremes, but I think you can see the correlation. It's the idea that I love God, but man, this battle is exactly what I feel. Or I love God, but I just have a past that won't let go. If that's the way you feel, then you may be a candidate for step number two. For God's promise for you to find freedom. That's why you find somebody who says, I know God, but I still struggle with addictions and hurts and hang-ups. And our prayer for you is that you take step two to find freedom. And can I just encourage you? This may not sound like encouragement, but let me encourage you. This will be a lifetime quest. One time, once you get over one hump, you might find there's another challenge waiting for you. This isn't a quest to become perfect, but to find freedom. There's three things, three focuses of step two that we want for you. Three focuses. Here they are. I'm going to share them with you now. And in fact, this fall, we're going to unpack a connect group called Freedom Groups. And I'm telling you, it's going to be amazing. And it really will unpack this specifically. But step number one, we want you to have victory over sin. Not perfection over sin, but victory. Victory. You know what that means? Like, we use that word specifically. Right now, my Dallas Cowboys are the number one ranked team in the NFC. Boom. And did y'all see Wes, our acoustic guitar player, wearing a Green Bay Packers sweatshirt? 
Lord, forgive him, for he knows not what he does. Number one seed in the NFC. Yeah, been 20 years. We've been crying about it, and we're back on top. At least for right now. We haven't started playing yet. But guess what? We have three losses this year. Three losses. Two of them came to Satan, known as the New York Giants. And the third to his son, the Philadelphia Eagles. So we have victory even though we know loss in this season. And that's what this means. That you would know victory over sin. Not that you would walk in perfection, but you might experience losses, but still you'll know victory. And sin is very simple. Sin is the stuff that you do to yourself. It's not about a mean person. It's not about the devil. Let's just be honest. I just made some poor choices. That's what sin is. Can you go to heaven with sin in your life? Yeah. But the scripture says that anyone who loves God does not continue to sin. Look, Paul struggled with this very thing. Paul, if you don't know, he's one of the authors of books in the New Testament. And he wrote the majority of the second half of the Bible. And and in fact, the books that he wrote are the very tenets of the faith that we hold dear. And in Romans, he unpacks this thing. And it's meant as an encouragement for you and for me. And look at what he says. Romans chapter 7, verse 21. He says, so I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, just hang right there. I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, that's my spirit, man. That's my spirit, man, right? I want to do good. My spirit, man, wants to do good. Look at this next verse. Evil is right there with me, body and soul. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law, spirit, man. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind. Making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work inside the body and soul. And then he just kind of goes really deep and discouraged. He says this, what a wretched man I am. Anybody ever felt that way? I have. Who will rescue me from this body that's subject to death? And he comes back up, takes a deep breath, and he says, thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Victory over sin. The second step, the second focus of this, this step is healing from our wounds. So sin is stuff that I do to myself, but a wound is something that others do to me. Maybe it's hurt. Perhaps you're abused by a parent or an aunt or an uncle. You're wronged mistreated, tragedy that has happened in your life, unexpected loss or death of someone close to you. That's the wound. And it hurts. And it actually has the ability to mess us up if we don't deal with it once and for all. And this is where I think so many Christians get stuck. I'll say yes to knowing God, but I'm not going to deal with this bitterness in my life. And the enemy doesn't want you to make it to steps three and four. The third and the fourth promise that he has for you is that's when you begin to change the world. Because God has this amazing ability, look me in the eyes, to take the greatest tragedy that you've ever walked through and turn it into a testimony that makes a difference in someone else's life. The enemy doesn't want that for you. Look, Ephesians says it in 4.26, and don't sin. 
by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. Dude, the scripture is saying that the enemy is going to try to let us hang on to our wounds so that it gives him a foothold. Have you ever had your wife call you and say, hey, can you pick up the kids on your way home? And you say yes. And then she sends you a text while you're out. Can you go to Costco, Trader Joe's, and stop by the DMV for a couple of hours, right? That's called foot-in-the-door manipulation. I'm tired of it, Megan. And that's exactly what this is about. Something or someone has wronged us. Instead of dealing with it, we let it fester. It's like the enemy's got his foot in the door. And I'll just tell you this right now. If you don't let go of your past, you'll never experience the fullness of your future. The third focus of step two, the third focus is authority over the enemy. Now don't, don't disconnect here. Lean in for a moment. You may not believe this, and that's okay. Sin is what I do to myself. Wounds is what others do to me. But even if all that was taken care of, no more issues, you still have a devil that hates you. Hates you. And will stop at nothing to prohibit you from discovering purpose and making a difference. The Bible says it like this, that the enemy... Is like a roaring lion roaming the earth, seeking whom he may devour. Now, we have made the devil something really cute with red spandex and a pitchfork. But the scripture doesn't say he's looking for whom he may nibble on. This is a roaring lion to devour. Another passage of scripture says to still kill and destroy. Look at what Ephesians 6 says. And by the way, we're going to talk about this in the summer. A whole series on the armor of God. It's going to be amazing. Check this out. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. He's, he's at the a drawing board making plans to wage war against your life. For we struggle... Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against authorities and against the powers of this dark world and against spiritual forces of the evil and heavenly realms. In other words, he's doing everything he can to bring every ounce of hell against us, and we've got to make sure we can take authority. I'm going to help you out. I'm going to help you know how to do that, but you need to know you can pray some prayers and see God do something miraculous in your life. And it's a, a crucial component to discovering freedom. Crucial component. And I just don't want you, like so many others, to get stuck at step one. Just knowing God. There's so much more for you. So how do I do it? How do I find freedom? What's the objective? And how do I move forward? And how do I see God do this in my life? I'm going to give you the answer, but I just want to show you what Paul said about this. So the same Paul who said, I'm a wretched man. My, my spirit man wants one thing. My body and soul wants another. And I feel like I'm failing he comes back a chapter later and he says, so listen, there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. If you belong to what God is doing, there's no condemnation. And you need to know that because this is the reason I believe so many people stop shy in step one and don't make it past step two. Don't make it past the second promise because they're concerned about what everyone around them thinks or feels. 
They're concerned about the public appearance and perception, especially in Orange County. We've become so good at making sure everything looks perfect and kosher and right and good, but on the inside, we could be crippled and dying and falling apart. And we'll do everything we can to keep that appearance right, but not let anyone know. Let me tell you, can I just give you maybe a a snippet of how I know this? A little component of this. Last week, 17 people said, yes, I want to know God. Prayed a prayer with me. Raised their hand. That was me. And afterwards, I said, listen, this is step one. There's so much more for you. There's so much more for you. Don't end here. Let us know. Fill out a status update card. Text the word. It's made easy. There's no obstacles. Let us know. 17 people reached out to our operations director and said, man, I want to know. Give me, give me all the numbers. I'm going to call the people and text them. Who filled out a card that said, yes, I want to know God? You know how many of 17 did? Zero. Now, no judgment. You don't have to fill out a card. But you know what it does to me? It lets me know that we want God to do something in our life. But we're terrified to let other people know we need help. Terrified. I don't know why. I'm not sure what would be the thing that would hinder you. I mean, as a church, we literally exist for this reason, but yet we've become so adapted, to, so normal to just putting on this exterior, and on the inside we're falling apart, and if you want to experience that second promise, let me just tell you, you can't do it alone. You can't do it alone. Look at what Romans says. 8 verse 5. This is Paul talking. He says, those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about those sinful things. It dominates their mindset. Why? Because as a man thinketh in his heart, so he becomes. That's what scripture says. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about the things that pleases the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. So yeah, I've got issues. We all have issues. But we need to change. God wants us to know Him, but He doesn't want us to stay the same. So I have a question for you. What is it that has the most control over the way that you think? What has the most control over the way that you think? I've got the, I can give you an answer right now. I've been in ministry for 20 years, and I've sat across the table from many marriages that were falling apart. I've sat across the glass from teenagers and young adults and grown adults who are sitting in prison. I've experienced almost everything you can. I've heard every story. It doesn't even shock me anymore. And can I tell you what actually has the most control over the way that you think? It's the people that you're around. It's all about your associations. It's all about your connections. You hear it at drug rallies and gyms like this. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. So I need to change. And change means I've got to change the way that I think. Meaning that I've got to change my associations. Now look at me. I'm not asking you to text all of your friends and say we're breaking up as friends. It's over. Pastor Kerry told me to. But relationships are the key to step two. 
You cannot, look at me in the eyes, you cannot do this on your own. You can't. You cannot. You're not strong enough, nor am I. Look what Proverbs says. I'm going to show it to you right here in the scripture. Proverbs 28, 13 says this. He who conceals his sins does not prosper. You, you can say sins, but you can also put issues. He who conceals his wounds does not prosper. But whoever confesses and renounces them finds mercy. Well, Pastor Kerry, that's talking about a scripture for us to God. Well, is it? Let me show you another passage in 1 John 1, 9. says this. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will, watch that word, forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So God takes care of what I did, but he doesn't make sure you won't do it again. God's purpose and role is to forgive. So how do I make sure that I don't go back to Egypt? Check this out, James 5, 16. Therefore, confess your sins, your issues, your hurts, your habits, your hang-ups, your wounds to each other. And while you're at it, why don't you go ahead and pray for each other too so that you may be healed. So knowing God is just turning from my old lifestyle to him. Step one. Step two, finding freedom. People can't forgive you, but the right people in your life can help heal you. Here's another way to say it. Go to God for forgiveness, but go to God's people for healing. Many of you may have made a decision to know God, but now what's the next step? How do we actually do this? What are some practicals? I'm going to give them to you right now. We're almost out of time. Three steps. Three things you can do is for step two to begin this journey. And I'm just going to be very candid with you today. I'm going to be very straightforward with you today. Let me tell you why. Literally, a statistic was done, and 87% of Christians never make it past step two. They stay there. I just wonder what the world would be like if the majority of those that call the movement church home said, I'm going to find freedom so that I can discover purpose, so that I can make a difference. I wonder if we could change the statistic that our county, our region, only has 10% of people that are going to a church right now. I wonder if we could change the numbers. I believe we could. So here's three things you can do. If you've made the decision to know God, you said yes to salvation. Number one is be water baptized. You might say, well, you know what, Pastor Kerry, I was sprinkled as a baby or as a child that did that. Well, no, no, listen, in the New Testament, every instant of baptism happens after a decision to make Jesus mine, to, to know God. And I want to challenge you, if you're here and you've never been water baptized or it's been a long time and you want to make a decision that I want to make it challenge you, step two, one of the first things you can do is be water baptism. Listen, water baptism doesn't get you any more saved than this ring makes me marry. I may have this tattooed here, but this is an outward sign that says I belong to Megan. And that's what baptism is. It's an outward declaration of brand new associations. See, and I walked one way yesterday, but today I'm walking another. I'm changing associations. I'm going to find freedom. And if you've never been water baptized, February 19th, right here in both services, we're going to go for it. Text the word baptism to the number on our screen. It'll be the greatest thing you've ever, decision you've ever made. I'm telling you right now. No shame. 
I don't care if you've been to church here for four years, if you've never been baptized, or you just want to make another declaration of a new association. You come and party with us, and we'll baptize you right here. The second thing is church membership. Here it is. I knew it's coming. Now, we don't use that phrase at the movement church very often. We won't send you a certificate that says you're a member. Look at me. There's a lot of great churches around here. My friend Mike Fanning and Tammy Fanning planted today. Next week, we're going to be praying for another couple that's sitting in this room right now that is planting a church in this very county. I don't care what church you plug into. I think it's, the movement church is pretty good, but you need to belong in one. There are over 30 scriptures in the New Testament that assume you have found a family to be planted in. You know what we do in Orange County? We flirt. Well, I go to this church on this day and this church here, and I love the worship here and the teaching there, and then I do this on Thursday nights, and I go here on Sunday. And so all this is great, all exterior, and it all feels good because I know God. But the only way to find freedom is being planted in a church and building relationships with men and women who know your issues. And if you flirt with a different church every other Sunday, ain't nobody know your issues. I'm just being real for a moment. You need a church to, be, to belong to, to worship with, to serve with, to give with, to pray with, to grow with. You can do that right here. Every second Sunday of the month, join our Welcome to Church party. That's the first step. The third thing, and I think this is the most important connect groups. You need a connect group. Next Sunday and the following, we're going to showcase all the connect groups that are starting the week after Super Bowl Sunday when the Cowboys win. Faith. Speaking about faith. Look at me in the eyes. Do not let this semester go by without getting in a small group. It's when this church with two services, hundreds of people, Become small. You need to get around a couple of guys, a couple of ladies, a few other couples that are in the same season, a few other teenagers that are walking through the same life, some other young adults. You don't have to walk in with the air of just perfection, and you don't have to walk in there with any big awesome ideas and any big notions. You just come in and say, here's who I am. This, these are my issues. And man, you, will you just help me walk through it? And I'll be there for you. Lean on me, right? When you're not strong, right? I'll be your friend. Carry on for till I'm gonna need somebody to lean on. You just call. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Let me invite the band to come on up. Hey, look at me. Don't let this semester, it's like six to nine weeks max. You're going to gather with some people just like you. And if you go to one and you don't like it, go to a different one. I can't promise we don't have weird people at the movement church. But go until you find one. And when you get there, look at me in the eyes. Don't just be like, man, things are great. <laughs> You know, I found we, our, our heartbeat, our culture is authenticity. But I found you can be hospitably cordial enough that feels like authenticity, but it stops about three inches deep. And I don't want you to stay 
And step two, I want you to discover purpose and make a difference. You can't do it alone. I can't do it alone. I'm in a connect group. Our entire team is in. We connect group is where life happens. Life change always takes place within the confines of relationships. Sunday mornings aren't enough. So find a connect group. How many of you in this room, just by show of hands, would just say, you know what? I really do want to find some freedom. Would you just raise your hands? Anyone? Hands all over the room. Okay, cool. I just want to pray for us now. I'm going to pray for us. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? and Let's just pray. God, I just thank you that you want to do something miraculous in our life. And I I thank you, God, that it isn't just enough to know you. But God, we want to find freedom. And God, I know that we need to do that through the confines of relationships. And so God, as we're stepping into this, we kind of expand our faith and say, God, you show us how. But God, right now I pray for divine relationships to begin to form in Jesus' name. God, I thank you that this Connect Group semester won't just be another thing, but it'll be the beginning of freedom for all of us in this room. Father, I thank you that you've given us the ability not just to know you, but to discover freedom through the relationships that we're in. So God, we don't look at it with discouragement or dismay, but we look to it with hope. We can truly begin to remove the Egypt from the inside of us and experience the fullness of who you are. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Make sure you sign up for a connect group. The next two weeks we'll show you how. Don't let this semester go by. I believe it'll be the beginning of freedom for you. Let me take a moment to talk to some of you who are here today who may be wavering in your faith, not sure exactly what it is you believe, but knowing I've got to start this journey. Maybe you can identify with that feeling of being enslaved to some poor habits or addictions, challenges. You say, I just want to start this thing. Man, listen, the journey with Jesus always has a starting point, but it's free. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to eradicate your past. You just have to believe. Jesus died on the cross and bore the punishment for our sin and shame. And all we have to do is believe. But you can't experience the fullness of life until you begin that journey. And if you're here today and you've never prayed that prayer, in a moment, I'm going to pray a prayer. And with no embarrassment to you, you don't have to get out of your seat. I just want to challenge you to pray this prayer with me. And maybe you're here today and you've been running from God and today's the day to come back. I want to challenge you to pray it with me. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Nobody looking around, nobody moving. If that's you, if you've never prayed this prayer, or if you need to pray it again for the first time in a long time, just simply repeat it after me. You can whisper it if you want to. You can pray it in your own heart. But just say, God, I need you. I've got issues. Would you forgive me? I want to change my ways and run to you. And just make this statement your own. Just say, Jesus, I give you my life. If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. Would you email us at info at the OC 
And if you're not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you. Send us an email at info at theocmovement.com and we'll get back to you shortly. Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from the Movement Church.